From the European Broadcasting Union in Geneva, I'm Emilio San Pedro, and this is the Eurovision News Podcast. Monster storms, flash floods, extreme droughts, failed harvests, and battering heat have quickly become the new normal. Science told us it would happen. Now the climate change reality is here. Public service media have a duty to provide their communities with the tools to make informed decisions about the impact of human activity on our environment. But communicating this information in a compelling, digestible way has proven to be extremely challenging, especially in an era of shrinking financial resources. In this episode, we're joined by Alexandra Borchardt, lead author of the 2023 EBU News Report titled Climate Journalism That Works Between Knowledge and Impact, which focuses on these challenges for the news media. So, Alexandra, the, the EBU has just released your very comprehensive report uh, looking at the state of climate journalism. It's for the annual uh, news report from the EBU. What are some of the key takeaways from your findings? The major takeaway probably is that newsrooms need to get away from the alarming parts of climate journalism, not just publishing that you know, the world is going to disappear if we continue on like that, but becoming much more constructive, focusing on solutions and giving people hope and agency so that they can do something about it, that they have a role in this and that actually politics has a role in this. And, you know, we can change things for the better. Uh, that's one part. Another key finding is that newsrooms really need to sit down and develop a climate journalism strategy. Even better would be to have a sustainability strategy for the whole organization, but only climate journalism that goes down well with audiences that is interesting, that's fascinating, will actually grab attention and then also contribute to the success of the journalism as a whole. Um, if, if, if there is no strategy, uh, the danger is that... Um, that newsrooms will treat climate journalism like just any other subject and then people might not be that interested in it because it's not newsy enough. And then there starts this this spiral kind of thing where uh, editors say, well, you know, you can do climate journalism, but people are not interested. They don't click on it. So let's do less of this. It's a waste of resources. And then it goes down from there. So only if you have a strategy, if you really think about, you know, how to cover the subject with depth and, and breadth and for targeted for different audiences, then you will have the success that also, yeah, needs to be a commercial success. And where did you find that newsrooms are at the moment? I mean, are they, do they have, uh, too many of them don't have a strategy? Is that what, what you found? Or, or do they have, in some cases, a strategy, at least a, a climate uh, correspondent? Or is that still lacking? It, it's funny that uh, the Reuters Institute did a, did a survey, uh, the trends report for this year, and actually one third of the media leaders asked a set like their newsroom had a climate journalism strategy. Uh, we 
didn't find that to be to be true. Um, what I found amazing as someone who's been on top of the issues uh, for a very long time, in fact, I did my PhD dissertation on environmental policy in, in the 1990s, um, I found it interesting that most newsrooms only started to really talk about it and really invest in climate journalism just a couple of years ago. And we, the authors, uh, uh, have been puzzling about that. Why was it only, you know, a couple of years, three years ago that that, that got so interesting for, for newsrooms? Um, actually, in the, the past couple of years, there has been progress, but uh, it hasn't been that strategic with most newsrooms. Um, we, we only find a, a handful of, of them who really had had a strategy. So just a handful. That's quite that's quite surprising at, at this stage. Yeah, it is. But but um, you know, climate journalism is is just a tough subject to cover for several reasons. Uh, it's tough because it's not newsy enough like the, the the criteria for news is like that something new has to happen every day otherwise we journalists and i am from journalism we'll, we'll just ignore it and wait for the next new thing to happen but climate uh very often is very slow moving unless you have a natural disaster when you have your typical disaster coverage and you know then it it's uh, losing attention again uh, once it's it's moving out of out of focus so that is one thing uh, the other thing that makes it hard is that it can be politically polarizing um, that some people accuse media organizations to have a political agenda a green agenda when you know talking about climate covering covering climate so that makes it tough particularly for public service media uh, that are actually mandated to uh, to have that kind of impartiality um, to, you know, report on all kinds of different opinions. And uh, very often that, that makes it a, a balancing act because once they're accused of activism, they, they lose credibility. So they have to really carefully think about how to do their, their climate journalism. And then obviously, a, a third thing that, that makes it tough is also lack of scientific knowledge. I mean, it's a very complex subject to cover, uh, not only the climate. The climate science uh, is, is pretty much, um, yeah, it's, it's very well explained. We have climate change because we burn uh, too much fossil fuels. Um, but all the solutions to fight climate change have been very contested and uh, so so it's very hard for for journalists really to be on top of that kind of scientific knowledge they, they need to really you know have a clear judgment on what works what doesn't work what is true um, yeah any anything that that comes across in climate reporting you mentioned that sometimes uh, news organizations only really give massive coverage to the climate issue when there's some kind of potentially a climate-related disaster happening in the news. Now, the issue with that is, as you said, that sometimes that's just some people would say weather and not climate. And there's this whole discussion around what is weather coverage and what is actually properly climate change-related. Yeah, obviously. And uh, journalists should be very specific about that and very clear on that, that not every uh, weather phenomenon 
is climate change related, but could be climate change related. So, so that also requires some knowledge, and uh, they have to be precise on this. Uh, this, this is definitely important. Yes, I mean the, the thing with the, the with the sort of weather-driven, action-driven, disaster-driven journalism is that it absorbs lots of attention one day and then the attention is gone the next. So you really, as a newsroom, you you really have to think about how can we really up our game on reporting on something that's somehow happening every day, but how can we report on this that is still interesting, that it is sort of close to home, which is also very, very important that, that people tend to consume climate journalism more if it's, if it's affecting them uh, close to home. Um, and also, you know, how to report on, on solutions and interesting things. And in fact, there are so many solutions being developed every day. And the, the climate journalism is much more, still much more focusing on disasters and, and the negative effects than on, on human creativity and uh, the engagement of, of everyone in, in the business world, in the political world, uh, in, in the personal world uh, to develop solutions. Who are some of our uh, EBU members that you may have looked at that are really potentially getting it right? And, and why is that? I think that the the example I I like to I like to to quote because I find it uh, it's a really very good one is NRK the, the Norwegian uh, TV they really have a climate strategy they have a climate journalism strategy they have a guidance for their reporters uh, what to report how to report uh, you know to do, to do it uh, in depth and and really um, yeah to, to to observe impartiality, but just uh, in, in the concept of due impartiality that accepts that there is a scientific knowledge out there, a body of knowledge, and that can't be questioned. Uh, so they have all kinds of all kinds of guidance uh, for their journalists, which makes it a lot easier. And they have been very successful with their audiences, which is uh, yeah, which 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 really encouraged them to go to go on and on that path. They they also they established two. Uh, climate desks uh, that are separate from each other, one that is covering more the in-depth, uh, timeless climate change stories, and one that is more concerned with uh, current affairs, actual news, and, and also uh, that is very much uh, connected to the to, to what's going on in, in the rest of the world. I found that that uh, really interesting. Another uh, public service uh, uh, EBU member uh, that has done a very interesting climate strategy is, is Radio France um, because they have developed a really large-scale education and training program for all of their editors and producers. So everyone is expected to have basic knowledge on climate change. Uh, and then so, some of, of reporters have to go through uh, more in-depth uh, climate trainings. Um, so, so that is really uh, very much part of a larger strategy that not only affects uh, the newsroom, but the whole organization to, to be very uh, progressive on climate coverage. And is that strategy that they're applying that you highlighted there contributing towards them having more interest from audiences? 
With the Norwegian uh, case, definitely so. They have really, really good numbers also with young people. And I mean, that is something that uh, particularly public service organizations, public service media struggle with, how to attract young audiences. And that is something that the Norwegian TV manages very well uh, because young people are uh, particularly concerned with climate change which is, yeah, no wonder it's their future. It's all about, about them and the world they'll, they'll live in. Uh, with uh, Radio France, uh, the education strategy, I mean, they are still in the midding, uh, middle of, of building up the whole uh, strategy, the whole program. I guess we have to give it some more time to see uh, the effects um, of, of that strategy. But the overall finding and the one that I found the most uh, perhaps surprising, given that people are now finally, even if not doing so in, in the way that one would imagine with climate reporting, um, is that audiences are still not engaging uh, in the way that people may have hoped. And that's one of your findings that I found the most alarming, to be honest. Where are we with that? And, and is this all about what, say, going down the route of uh, broadcasters like NRK. I think one one thing is that audiences are not engaging when they feel it's nothing new, when they feel it's boring, it doesn't affect them. So, act, so actually, it's it's important to think, you know, what really hits close to home, what does affect people in their uh, daily lives, what are the solutions uh, that are being developed around where they are and what what can they personally do but also what are the structurally structural um, what can what they can it's about what they can personally do but even much more so what are the structural changes that are needed in in the economy in business and that is one thing that many organizations still don't get right they silo climate coverage they silo climate reporting maybe at the science desk or at an extra uh, desk that is just doing a climate um, i really like the approach that afp the news agency has taken because they developed the future of the planet hub they called it and they merged the business section with the science section, which uh, apparently had effects even a few months into this, uh, they felt you know they were covering climate much more knowledgeable because it's actually a business story. It's one of the big, biggest business stories of our times, as Wolfgang Blau said in an interview that we we published in the report. Is the biggest reconstruction since the Second World War because we have to rebuild our economy. So merging the business section and the science section makes a lot of sense and then you don't have to like hammer home the climate uh in every story like oh this is around about climate this is about climate this is about climate but it is a business story that is obviously affecting climate change and that approach i think makes so much more sense not to hammer it home uh, and single it out and silo it as a climate story as climate journalism but just include it in all kinds of storytelling uh, because it is actually a part of many many things we are doing climate change is caused by activities uh that that are you know that pervade all of our daily lives even the way we the way we we uh, it it um, 
Well, climate change is a result of activities um, that pervade all of our daily lives, the way we work, the way we travel, the way we enjoy ourselves, the way we consume. Uh, most of it is, it is connected to burning fossil fuels or other uh, harmful activities. So actually lots of it has to be rebuilt. And, and that is why making it an all encompassing issue is so important. Is, is that possibly why climate change is such a difficult topic? Because in the end, it's saying you're to blame, as in all of us are to blame. It's a bit like uh, it's like diet reporting. You know, if you say to everyone, well, you need to just stop eating so many calories. And, you know, why are you, you know, stop eating French fries, for goodness sake. Uh, is, is, that, <laughs> is that basically one of the reasons that it's so challenging? Well, actually, that is also one of the mistakes that newsrooms can make to blame individuals. Blaming individuals is, is the worst. As someone said that, I think it was the executive editor of, of a Norwegian, uh, of, of Finnish TV, I think, of Wiley. Um, it is actually for, the, for doing research for the report, we read up on all the communication signs that is there on, well, maybe not on all of it, but we read a lot of work that has been published on, you know, how to communicate uh, climate change and and actually blaming individuals uh, doesn't work making people feel guilty doesn't work really um what what there's a lack of still is what these communication scientists also say is framing it in a positive way what kind of positive effects could lifestyle changes had and there are quite a few lifestyle changes that are probably necessary to to you know uh, tackle the problem to make our uh, yeah our very lives lives more sustainable. So, but what could be the positive effects? Could it be you know cleaner air? Could it be healthier environments? Uh, uh, healthier people? I mean, everyone knows, for example, that that plastic uh, pollution is is a big uh, health issue as well, and it it might also be linked. To to, to cancer and um, uh, so what kind of world should we aspire to live in that is much better uh, for our natural environment and also for our human environment and there's too little reporting on uh, the positive effects of, of certain lifestyle changes. Um, obviously it's impossible to frame everything in a positive way. There are things that will hurt. Um, there are habits we have to we should be giving up on um but there's a lot of things uh that that actually will have a positive impact and when you talk to uh, people from the business sector or any kinds of of companies um i'm always surprised about sustainability strategies i find uh, in companies in all kinds of different industries in the business sector that really uh, make people feel hopeful also for their products and for their abilities to tackle this problem and produce uh, much better products and and also um yeah uh, really support sustainability uh, as a as a concept so there are a lot of opportunities to to really frame it in a positive way given all these challenges that uh, news organizations are facing in relation to climate coverage is there a danger also, given the financial constraints that news organizations are working under at the moment, you know, constantly looking at where they need to uh, cut or what they need to do 
uh, less of or how they streamline things? Is there a danger that uh, the climate uh, or coverage of climate stories could uh, get marginalized even further? Actually, the main hypothesis of this report is, and uh, we only came up with this uh, after having done quite a after we did uh, quite a bit of research, is that actually, if you tackle climate journalism well with all the difficulties that are around that, this will help improving all of your journalism. So, uh, or to put it differently. Um, sustainability journalism could make your journalism more sustainable because if you focus on, you know, what makes great journalism, it's, it's, it's journalism that is much more constructive and solution-oriented. It, it is journalism that is informed by facts, not so much by quotes. Very, very often uh, these days we just have this he said, she said kind of journalism that audiences are not engaged with anyway. So if you focus on, on substance, if you focus on knowledge and facts-driven journalism, on constructive journalism, um, then you will do all your journalism good and so all of your journalism can profit from an investment in climate journalism. And I think that is what editors have to understand, that it's not just, uh, you know, climate journalism is not just an ethical requirement and responsibility of good journalism. It will also help improve all of their journalism and the engagement with their journalism. So it will actually future-proof their, uh, their organizations. And is there still room for journalists to be skeptical or to push back a bit on on some of the uh, solutions that are offered when they're doing a story? Or is this now something they should move away from? <laughs> There's always room for journalists to be skeptical. Journalists are skeptical people by profession. And, and obviously, uh, this report is a starting point for debate. And I know there are people out there who feel like we can't just do constructive journalism. We can't just do solutions. Um, we have to uh, tell it like it is. And actually, journalists who are on the climate beat struggle with that every day because they say, yeah, when we focus on solutions and then we see how much, uh, to put it positively, room for improvement there still is and, you know, the gap between ambition and what's actually being done, that can be quite depressing and frustrating, particularly for journalists who are working on, on the climate beat. So, yes, there's a lot of room for, for questioning, but actually, do we have an alternative? I guess we have to uh, improve climate journalism because uh, we are required to to tackle that subject. It's it's uh, the the biggest known threat uh, for human life on on this planet. I mean, uh, obviously, there's other things, pandemics, uh, nuclear war, but that is less predictable than at this point uh, climate change is. So we really have to. Uh, work on climate journalism that has an impact, that has an impact with people, that has an impact with audiences. Communicating climate change is a requirement, not only obviously for journalists, but for everyone uh, in, who, who really has an interest in, in the future of this, this planet. Um, but it is a big task for journalists. And obviously there will be discussions and debates and doubts uh, along the way as, as everywhere. And 
information. And uh, we need lots of investigative journalism. We need lots of highlighting wrongdoing. But we also need the constructive part because it is happening every day uh, here and, and now. One last question for you, Alexandra. How mindful do news organizations need to be about the way they themselves deal with, uh, you know, their uh, carbon footprint? Yeah, they should be mindful of it because it is an issue of, of credibility. We are in an age of transparency and audiences tend to be very sensitive about that. They feel like, oh, you know, here you have this great commentary. You are asking so much of the business world. Uh, you are asking so much of the political world. But what's actually, what are you doing yourselves uh, to lower your carbon footprint? You know, uh, are you still traveling like you used to? Or are you conscious of traveling? Are you mindful of traveling? Are you even mindful of the impact that your digital publishing has? Because that certainly has an impact. So actually climate coverage is just the first step. But looking at all of the organization and developing a strategy uh, that is credible also to the outside world uh, will be um, an important uh, step that, that will have an impact on how people, how audiences will perceive climate coverage. Okay, Dr. Alexandra Borchardt, thank you very much uh, for talking to us about this report, the EBU's annual news report, Climate Journalism that works and you can find the report if you go to the ebu website you can download it there on ebu.ch thank you for inviting me you've been listening to the eurovision news podcast we hope you enjoyed this episode if you would like to hear more from us please consider subscribing, giving us a five-star review, and telling a friend about us. Thank you.